This is Fooditor Radio. It's year's end, and it's time to say what we like best, and occasionally what we like least, on 2015's Chicago restaurant scene. So Fooditor editor Michael Gebert, that's me, and four friends of Fooditor met at the Brixton in Andersonville for another well-lubricated chat. Okay, well we're here at the Brixton, uh... Because last time I got good feedback on the fact that we did it in a bar. People seem to think we felt very at home. <laughs> so uh, we're here to talk about the end of the year. It is, in fact, December. Um, we're so close to the end of the year that I'm sure nothing could happen between the recording and the end of the year that would change things. I mean, it's not like the staff of Cantina in 1910 is suddenly going to walk out of the place. you know. And one of the top new restaurants of the year is... You know, the entire future is thrown to doubt. That kind of thing just doesn't happen. Uh, but let me introduce everybody first. First up, returning, we have Chicago's editor, Anthony Todd. Hi, Mike. We have also returning. This is your third show in a row, isn't it? I feel like I'm becoming like a, yeah. a little Andy next to you. Yeah. <laughs> next to your Conan. Conan. Yes. Um, Joe Campagna. Happy to be back. Again. We, again. Yet again. Um, we have... Food writer Melissa McEwen and arachnid enthusiast. Hi. Uh, we have more food. And uh, we have a ringer. We have a non food writer, uh, so, but someone who eats out at least as much as any of us and is not shy about his opinions about them, and that is Chris Chaco or Sparrow Coffee. Uh, I believe it's a law in France that if you get a Michelin, <laughs> Star, you have to serve sparrow coffee. Uh, at least half of them do. Right? Half of them. <laughs> it's another ordinance. The smart half. The smart half. Yeah. Hello, it's pleasure to be here. It's great. All okay. right. Um, so, and first, let me do let me do some uh, some quick uh, plugola for Fooditor. If you want to be sure you hear these things, you need to go to iTunes or. Uh, Stitcher or various other services. I don't know. You're looking at the rest of us like we own Fooditor. Like you know what's yeah, like you know what Stitcher what's is. <laughs> yeah, Mike, what's Fooditor? It's kind of like Eater, but not as good. Um, so, so you spell I'll pay you correctly. real money if you keep that this up. <laughs> and unfortunately, the way you should do it is still by following airwaves full of bacon. I haven't figured out how to change that yet. The logo has changed, but it's still the airwaves full of bacon feed, which is wonderful because you can hear all those fabulous those past airwaves of bacon, airwaves for the bacon shows, uh, but uh, do that and also subscribe to the Fooditor newsletter because there's always something that wasn't on Fooditor in it. Pretty much the secrets of life are really revealed there. So um, let's let's begin by going back to 2014, and we would have said, "What's 2015 going to be about? It's going to be about steakhouses. It's going to be." steak everywhere all the time. So it's interesting that you should mention that because I was looking as research for the show at the 2015 January What's Coming for the Year post that everyone did. And it's all steakhouse. No, it's all Rick Bayless's new restaurant that hasn't opened and uh, Grand Alcott's new restaurant that hasn't opened yet. What was <laughs> the, the second one? All of them. Grand Alcott's new restaurant yeah. that hasn't opened yet. That was the top of every single roundup at every publication. And that's why none of the steakhouses have done any business because everyone's just Exactly. We're just waiting with bated breath for, for those two restaurants that haven't yeah. opened yet. No, so steakhouses everywhere. We got... What we get? We had, uh, Swift and Sons, Maple and Ash. STK Chicago. Chicago Steak 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 I know. Well, I figured you'd talk about that during the best restaurants. You, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> Buff House. Buff yes. House. Buff House. Buff House. Buff House. As Inspector Clouseau would say, Buff House. Was RPM this year or was it last year? RPM Steak was older than that. Older than that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Prime and Provisions or whatever. Prime Provisions? Prime and Provisions. Whatever it's called. Um... There's more. There's more. There's certainly more. Uh, well, have any steakhouses closed other than Fleming's? In Flemings? the history of Chicago. I think Fleming's is the only one, and they became a big seafood place that no one goes to. Yeah. Right. Yeah, if Jeff Ruby had been here, he could have talked about how much he enjoyed that. True. Just uh, wait for I'm going back. I have reservations in January. You're going to see if they've managed to fix it. Well, okay. new chef. Yep, new chef. Melissa. We'll make Melissa Blackbird. What's the year food bet about for you? I guess there are a lot of steakhouses, which is kind of, I guess it's good that they have other stuff because I'm kind of bored with steak. <laughs> Me too. I mean, honestly, 
We can I, go to steakhouses together and ostentatiously not eat steak. I mean, I can make a steak at home that's really, really fucking good. And this steak at, like, a nice steakhouse is only a little bit better, and it costs five years Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they're kind of true of all food, but it seems to be especially painful. And sometimes it's actually not very good. Yeah. So that's important to note, that it's it's not like a magically a steakhouse opens and charges $100 a steak and can make a great steak. There's been a lot of bad steak served in Chicago this year that lots of people in River North seem to be willing to pay for. It. And I could teach a 10-year-old how to make a good steak. <laughs> I can't teach a 10-year-old how to do L-I-D-S. So if I'm going to spend a lot of money, I'm not going to spend it on a steak. Well, I feel that way, too. What, what steaks have you particularly not enjoyed? Anthony. Well, <laughs> tee that one up. <laughs> At the risk of Kevin and Rob coming through the microphone and choking me to death, I didn't particularly love what may be on some people's best restaurants of the year list. Swift and Sons. It, it is. Swift and a lot of them. Um, I didn't particularly love it. It wasn't just a steak. I thought there was a lot of missed things happening. That being said, I went three weeks after it opened. Um, I've heard some confirmation of my not great review, namely the Red Eye, which also had a very odd, not great experience. That being said, I've had some friends of mine have good experiences. Uh, so I can't, I, I'm going to give it another chance. I've promised them I'll go back in the new year. That It is a beautiful, beautiful space. Yeah. And I'm excited about Cold Storage, which has some of the most exciting looking seafood dishes I've seen in a long time. I haven't been yet. Joe, what do you think? Uh, what do you think of steak? And more to the point, of Anthony reviewing it so early. <laughs> wow, tee that up for me. Did you see our direct messages on Twitter? <laughs> no, I think for me, I mean, the steak it it reinforces Chicago's appetite, which is interesting because you have the steakhouse and they are small and mammoth mammoth places that have opened. I mean, STK, Maple and Ash and, and Swiftinson's are not small restaurants. I mean, those are those are big projects that need a lot of covers, and they're competing against places that are already doing a lot of covers. I mean, Del Frisco's is not a small place. It's been open for a while, yet Buff House is doing something small and almost supper clubbish, which I think is interesting because this is a city that also is reinforced that it can handle fine dining in multi-course places, and Acadia has gotten more stars, and we have Grace with three and Alinea, so we're able to support the, you know, the old stockyard palette, but at the same time take elevated food, you know, to the next level. As to Anthony's three weeks, he's just a very excited young guy. He's <laughs> very excited. If they give me a discount on the steaks for the first month, I'll wait to review it until the first month is over. As I always say, and no, I our restaurant did in fact do that. Now, does anyone remember who it was? It came out that someone was offering like a 20% discount for the first three weeks. And I can't remember anyway. I restaurants should it. all do this. Restaurants should, if they want to not get reviewed or get a fair shot, that's their problem. But no one can afford to do it. Right. Yeah. But but I think that's, that's right. That's the answer to me. It's like, if you don't want to be reviewed right from the start, don't take money. That's basically yeah, the second you take money and you're open, it's, you're open, you're open. And here's I mean, the, let's, yeah. let's have the, the reality here. It's our struggle. As Especially. we learned from Cantina 1910, Yelp is going to be much meaner than any of us except Jeff Ruby could possibly be. Right. And him so, only like once every other year. Right. Yeah. So if, the, if, if he had a couple angry reviews this year. Maybe. He well, had he the seven some, deadly sins at sea, but there was another one earlier. Called sea an affront to humanity. I've used that headline four <laughs> times now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. The year. What do you think the year was was about? I think the year was about uh, small restaurants really showing their. their uh, I'm a big steak guy. Unlike the rest of the panel, I love steaks. Do I want another steakhouse in Chicago? No. Uh, but I will tell you that I was pleasantly surprised. First time I went to both house. The first time I went to Maple and Ash, I did not expect Maple and Ash to be as, uh, as profound as it was. I was blown away. I have a habit of going back to the same restaurants that I love multiple times. Um, but I think, you know, with Parachute getting a star, um, with uh, LIDS retaining their star, uh, with Acadia getting two stars, it's about the small venues. Um, it has not really been a stake stake here. Alright, the other thing that I think turned out to happen, which I think no one could have seen, ironically the only thing they saw was the one that didn't open, which was Bayless, is we had this Mexican explosion this year, which proved to be really interesting to me. It's especially interesting from a news standpoint today, with the news that came in 1910, but... Um, They'll be just fine. Who's been to what? What have they liked? I've spent a lot of time at Cantina. I liked it a lot. I hope they maintain it after the chef leaves, but they were doing some really innovative, interesting stuff. 
up here, we're recording in Andersonville, so about three blocks away from here, they could easily match anything coming out of any Mexican kitchen in the city. Their, their arroz negro with squid egg was on my top five favorite dishes the entire year. Hands down. Melissa is nodding. I didn't get to go before the chef left. I'm way too long. You should have walked by. I wonder if they even... Are they open? Who's cooking? They are open. The executive pastry chef is running the kitchen. So, while they do a national search. While they do a national search. Which means Mike Sheeran will be hired. <laughs> for their exhaustive national search. He did Asian, now he can do Mexican. You know, you know what really is likely to happen? Is that all the Mexican prep guys will be promoted to chef. Good. Fine. See, for me, the whole Mexican thing, like, I don't need it to be elevated. I didn't get to Cantina, unfortunately, but, I mean, I'm probably at my local taqueria two, three times a week. And to the point where he kind of laughs at me, he's like, you really like this food? I'm like, yes. So what you're saying is you're like the rubes on Yelp who insist that it should all be rice and beans. Not necessarily, but I mean, no, I know. But I mean, for me, like, I mean, I'm sure Rick's doing great stuff from Oaxaca, but I don't give a shit. Like... I don't need it to be what it is, and it's kind of like when Italian food gets that way. That's not what it is. It's it's simple food that doesn't need to be overcomplicated or fused with anything else. Like just let it be what it is and just do it. Well, that's actually one of the things I liked about Cantina 1910 was that I didn't feel it was dressed up too exaggeratedly. I mean, the thing that always bugs me is when you get like a 50s American plate in a Mexican restaurant. You get your, you know, your protein, which happens to have some mole on it, but it's basically, here's your big steak, and then you get your starch, which instead of being mashed potatoes, is rice in the shape of Chichen Itza, but otherwise, you know, it's like, no one eats like that in Mexico. No. No, and I had no. some progressive food, I was in Central Mexico this year, and I had some fairly progressive, trendy restaurant food, and surprise, surprise, it looked not unlike... Cantina 1910. It wasn't quite as elevated. There wasn't quite as many microgreens tweezed onto the plate. But the idea of taking those traditional Mexican flavors and complicating them and elevating them a little bit was a lot like what the fine dining places are doing there. So that was something I hope they don't lose when they lose their Somebody asked this question. Does that mean that Bistronomic is... I mean, he was doing French-Mexican, which is kind of from that small epoch in time that they were doing, but is that... You mean Mexique? Mexique. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> not Mr. Not. Mexique. Right. Yes. Oh, but no, Mexique. I mean, Something changed on Eater and I missed it. No. <laughs> I mean, is that... I mean, are the, is he... He didn't get back his Michelin star, but... Yeah. I haven't been in a little bit. His food was always kind of that elevated yeah. style, which I like. I also I also enjoyed it and haven't been in a little bit, which may yeah. say something about that restaurant. It's a, they don't change their menu very often. Like I've gone like once a year for as long as I've lived yeah. in that neighborhood, and it basically had the same dish. Same thing. Yeah. Well, I've been to McLean. I've been to McSeek several times this year already, a dozen times. And the menu has changed quite a bit. I think he's really struggling to get that star back because he wants it back. You can you can see the desire in his eyes. He goes, oh, I want that star back. I want that star back. It's not really hard. I think he made a mistake. I think he when he gained it, uh, he traveled a little too much. He left the restaurant alone. Uh, I feel bad for that. But I think Mexique is, uh, has improved quite a bit. I was kind of sad to see him not get a star, but there's always next year. Yeah. There's also more competition for it. I mean, he kind of yeah. got it. For being the only sort of upscale, non bayless Mexican restaurant, and now there are a, maybe you know, still serving Cantina or something. I would have said Cantina 1910, yeah. you know, we'll wind up getting it instead so they can cover that. You know, that yeah. slot the, on their bingo card. And as we discussed when we did our Michelin show, I think the one-star competition right now is unbelievably fierce. And that's great for diners because you can actually afford a one-star meal. But the one-star competition in Chicago is amazing. And this year has seen so many restaurants open that I feel like could reasonably get one star. Some, as we discussed, some that hadn't opened yet. That Mexique's going to face an uphill battle, but that's good for all of us as diners. Like, it's good that we've got so many. And that's what sets Chicago apart. We've got so many amazing, affordable, approachable really good restaurant. That's if Michelin stops being stingy. Of course. Giving right. away one stop. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Michelin has a, if you take a look at their, their timelines over the past several years, they're not going to give back a Michelin star unless you're really solid, middle Michelin star. Yep. If you're just borderline, they're not going to give it back because, you know, they, they, they were valuing the brand. There's been some talk about the Michelin brand kind of uh, going a little uh, on the low end. 
uh, in the United States. So I think uh, I think we're very, very careful not to give back a star where they don't feel that it really deserves it. And I've seen consistency over and over again as being the key issue. Entitled. No, it has a babe, go on. Uh, it's been no, no, no. <laughs> if Untitled had a star, I would quit the food writing business. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to Untitled, but it's not a star restaurant. Big Excuse me, but it's not November 13th. So <laughs> sorry, right. sorry. A lot. We're only allowed Every one day Every day is year. November 13th. Well, it's, we're getting close to talking about what restaurants you really like. So I asked everybody to come up with three suggestions plus an under-the-radar choice. Did anyone do that? Did I did. I, yeah. Did your homework? Okay. I didn't Excellent. come up with a great under-the-radar That's okay. That's okay. All right. So we'll start with you, Anthony. My three your, suggestions? Your, the coolest, best, most favoritest things that opened this year for you. And I think number one, and it's something that I think most people forgot opened on or about 2015 is Intro. I'm a huge Intro fan. Um, intro, of course, is the lettuce entertaining restaurant that rotates chefs every three months. I've been to every chef except the current one, so if they've ruined it in the last two months, don't blame me. Um, but I have never had anything other than a stellar meal there. I also think it's the most approachable fine dining in Chicago, given that it's reasonably priced. They keep it to a reasonable number of courses, and they make it very quick. And so if you're, I know a lot of people in my other life as a lawyer who have children and families can get in for a date, have a fine dining experience, and be out in an hour and a half and spend 80 bucks a person. And that's something that's missing from the scene a little bit. You yeah. can have that elevated experience, and that's perfectly lettuce, by the way, that you can have that elevated experience and then get out. So I think that's one of my big hits of the year. And I agree with that, and I also... Uh, I think it's ironic that it's in the Elgo space where you and I had by far the longest dinner we've right. ever had. Actually, we fell asleep at the table. Yeah, because Matt Kirkley, we had like his 23 course meal, and then he wanted to show us some other things he was working on. Oh my god! It was like a 37 course, six and a half hour meal with wine. With oh my wine god. and no coffee, right? No yeah. coffee. No we, coffee. We were actually dead at the end of it and had to be revived. Uh, I, I, there were paddles at the end of that meal. Um, so that was that's one of my three. I would say that for me, the Blanchard was probably a second one. Um, I'm a big fan of French bistro food. I love a steak frites. I order steak frites at every steakhouse I go to, just seeing if they can pull it off, and they never can. Um, and so being able to go to a restaurant that had these classic French dishes that was not bistro campagna, which is in my neighborhood, was really refreshing. Um, so I love that restaurant. I've been back. I will go back. I hope it does amazingly well. I think it opened really strongly, got a lot of great reviews, and has then kind of fallen off people's radar, unfortunately. But I'd like to hope that it continues to be awesome. So. Okay, that's two. And then for the third one, the third one's a tough one. I feel like I'm going to steal some people's thunder, and I don't like doing that, because it's already been mentioned several times tonight. I think if I had to pick a third one in the year of steakhouses, it would be Buff House. I mean, I think it's the only steak restaurant that's open in the past, not even one year, five years, to which I feel any personal affinity whatsoever, where I'd ever take a date, where I'd ever feel good about spending that much money on a steak, and where I ever feel like the rest of the menu stands up to the steaks. You know, the thing for me about Buff House, I mean, I really liked it. I like that it's small and neighborhood sized and not larger than the Art Institute and Union Station combined. Um, the one thing for me was that as good as the steak was at the end of it, the thing we liked the best was this like rye spetzel that was like seven bucks. And that's just my problem with They're the best crudite plate in the entire world. Yes. Yeah, like the crudite, yes. crudite, it's crudite astonishing. plate is also beautiful. Um, so yeah. And, you know, I had another one that I thought these guys saw the one at Booth House. I can't think what it was now. I'll try and think. It was okay. it was really good, but it like looked enough like the book. <laughs> They're copying. It was well, right. you so know, all, all to the good. I don't right. have a good underground choice. I'm sorry. I'll think of one while we're going. Okay, Melissa. Okay, I just wrote these down because I lost my list. Okay. On the way here, but um, so I really like Cotton Duck, and I think it's a place that's kind of under the radar. And, Very. Um, it's kind of strange, but the, I think everything is really well executed there. It's an art gallery, and they serve like UIOB, um, but they have a uh, great, like, kind of alcohol free cocktails where you can bring your own, like, bourbon and mix it up yourself. And it's just really an interesting place, and I think they're doing a good job. And it's not hard to get into because nobody seems to be talking about it. So, yeah, and. Um, I don't know. I, all I know is. Sula reviewed it. What part of town is it? 
I guess it's on kind of the edge of like East Village. Okay. Alright. And my second one would be also really kind of new. Would be, and I can't really tell, like, I just think it's really promising. It's Band of Bohemia. And I've only been there once. And I just, uh, I really admire Kevin McMillan's food. As we sit in the brick stand. Yeah, yeah we're, we're <laughs> so, just no longer. Yeah, and um, I, when I was there, they didn't have their beer yet. I was really excited by their beer, but their cocktail was really great. And their desserts are phenomenal. Oh, yeah, so good. Dessert. The desserts. Yeah, yeah. Is Another place that has really great desserts, so that kind of overshadowed the rest of the menu, in my opinion, is Swift and Sons. I really love their desserts, but I guess I'm not really the steak person. That ice cream sundae is probably the best dessert I had, at least the month I ate it. Yeah. And I guess my third choice would be In On Thai. It's another kind of under-the-radar place, and it's in like an area I would normally not go to, and I have to credit my friend Matthew Zatkoff, who's, who's like an LPH forum guy, who told me about it. And really great, spicy, authentic Thai in that Lakeview area. And it, they have specials that are just great, like this extremely spicy, crispy fish curry, pork rinds. It's really great in BYOB. Alright, Joe, Joe's smirking. No, I actually have a very similar list to Anthony. I mean, I, I really like Buff House. Um, it wasn't actually for the steak. It was the the environment being small, kind of that supper club feel. The crudite was ridiculous. Amazing. The one thing I actually didn't like was the rice pot, so I thought it was dry for us. But everything we had was was really good, and and they do they just do a good job. It's simple. It's not overly complicated. And you're right, it's not a theme park. Um, the other one that I really liked and I was surprised by was the Blanchard. I think their biggest issue is that no one can find them no because it's that them. weird spot on like Lincoln Park West, but it's not Lincoln Park West. But their food was good. It was it was creative in a sense with the way it was presented. You there know, no was, gimmick. Whatsoever. No, you knew what it was. The foie gras preparations are are definitely above, head and shoulders above a lot of others. Desserts were good, but I thought that was a really nice spot. I was glad to see that, and it's not a like a low-brow French bistro place. Um, the other one that I enjoyed, and it was more probably for the mechanics and the get-your-hands-dirty, was Angry Crab. I liked that it was just kind of a, we're just going to get a mess of food, we're going to get dirty, we're going to eat. It wasn't that expensive. Like, that was the other part of it, is you get a ton of food, and I think you go the first time, and maybe you don't order as well as you should. But by the second or the third time, you're definitely zoning in on what you should get, how it should be, but I like that at the end, you can go and wash your hands and that they thought of that part of it. Now, whether it's, you know, stolen from somebody else's idea, I don't really care. They're they're executing it. It was unique. Nobody's really doing that. And, I mean, I, I enjoyed it for that. I mean, it's not, you know, lightning food or, like, knock you off your socks food. But I, I enjoyed that it was easy to go get just a mess of fish and seafood and, and have it be easy. Anything else? Anything you want to say is an under-the-radar kind of place? I can't really think of one, because it doesn't mean like anything's under the radar unless nobody's <laughs> talking about it. But I think, if anything, like, things come and go so quickly. Um, that's the one thing I think we forget. I mean, there's restaurants that opened that after three months, you're like, where have they been? But, you know, it's just they're new. So I don't really have anything under the radar that I'm kind of keeping to myself that no one hears about, but... Chris, well, top three. Let's see. Um, I would say, uh, unlike Joe, I think uh, Blanchard was probably my number one choice. And um, it really comes about, I didn't go when it first opened up, I waited a little while. And I was pleasantly and surprised at how good the food was. It was executed so well. Um, Blanchard uh, was definitely number one. I'd say number two. Uh, a Bullfast would be a strong number two. I think they were the rest of the panel. Uh, a Mace, I think I thought the steaks were phenomenal. I, you know, I'm a New York guy. I love New York strip. Uh, not necessarily a filet guy, but I love New York, and I think it was executed well. So everything just was just, it just felt like a supper club. It was great. From the moment I... Uh, I had my first steak, I said, these guys have something special going on here. Uh, number three, uh, Monteverde, um, which uh, I will say that I expect Sarah and Meg to do amazing jobs, and, and I will qualify that they are a customer, they, you know, they spent over a year or so. But I did go there, and I, you know, when I when I rate restaurants, when I judge them, it's really 
doesn't have anything to do with the fact they're a customer or not, but I do go after the ones that I really enjoy. Uh, with Monte Verde, I went there and I was actually blown away how inexpensive it was for a chef of that caliber. Uh, and we're talking pastas, $15, $12, $13, and uh, I really, really, really enjoyed it, and I went there very early. I think in another two or three months, it's just going to out. I've been there five times already. And the fifth time, the sixth time, I couldn't get in. It was so busy, I walked out. It's kind of grim, it's like, I'm glad you guys are doing that. Um, so those three are my top three picks. Uh, new restaurants, Under the Radar, uh, Ramen House, Chichuan in the Palatine. Uh, amazing, amazing ramen. Um, I don't think they make their own uh, uh, ramen there, but I think all the stock, all, the, all that's done there. Family run, husband-wife team, phenomenal. I think it's kind of like, uh, I didn't expect it. It was an unexpected spot, under the radar. Uh, newcomer. Alright, so most of mine have been covered by this point, but uh, never won the Blanchard. I saw it. It was really just kind of a magical meal. The Blanchard has literally gotten more love in this one hour podcast than in the entire year it's been. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I that. It's not it a got lot. love, but it, like I said, it sort of has sort of disappeared a little bit. There wasn't a lot of follow-up. I think oh, part of that's their list. PR and their marketing. I think it's definitely been on people's lists. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, I think part of it's them. But so that that's one for me. Another Monteverdi. I agree. I mean, it, you know, I've always respected Spiaggia. I don't think I have ever quite loved Spiaggia. Um, but this this like it sweet spot for me in that it's execution at that really high level but it's got more of that comfortable neighborhood feel and you know I, just, I thought it was pretty good and, and like you say also at a reasonable price I mean I admit if you know you sell me a $38 bowl of pasta that strikes me as disproportionate it's um, one way of putting it and uh, you know so I was I was happy with, with Monteverdi it looked like you were about to say something about Monteverdi It's a pe- people who took a night out from going to Flat Top Grill to yeah, try Monte Verde. Yeah, pretty much. Those jerks. Yeah. <laughs> so what we got to do is get more people there who are cool. Yeah. And crowd yeah. them out. Yeah, I'll definitely give it a chance though. It's hard to say, you know, when you go just once early on, you know, I didn't think yeah, anything that blew me away, but like maybe I'll Yeah, I kind of discount service at that point anyway, figuring they're not entirely sure where the kitchen and, and the napkins are yet. But, um, alright, so that's two. Um, third was going to be Cantina 1910. <laughs> it still is It still is. We'll just see what happens with that. And then my under the radar one uh, is pretty easy to guess if you've been reading Food and Dirt that it's Arbor. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I see... <laughs> It's like the restaurant Matt Damon would open in the Martian. You know, it's it grows everything under under its little dome. You know, and it it's you know he's got this whole space station you know full of people in there that he's keeping alive with, with the food that he's growing. I and mean, that's what it feels like. It's this weird feeling. If you go in there, it's like it's like being you know. I mean, it is in an office building, and it's got that sort of. Nasty fluorescent twilight in the hallways, like a like a mall after hours or something. And yet they're doing all these different things. And to me, it's just great that they're they're doing so many parts of being about five different kinds of restaurants in there in a totally DIY way. Normally, I wish restaurants didn't have PR. Like, there's so many restaurants where I'm like, oh, I wish you didn't have PR or the PR you have because it gets overhyped or filled with the wrong people or the sort of the story that gets told is not the real story of the restaurant. Arbor is one of the only restaurants this year that I wish had a brilliant marketing person to get everyone in Chicago in that restaurant because I feel like despite your best efforts and a few other people's best efforts, it just doesn't get enough attention. The hours, though, and the location, like for me, to get there after work, it would be so like I work until 6 and then I would take me like half an hour to get there and I'm supposed to close at this point. Although they said, you know, when I made reservations there, they said I could come later. Yeah, the Omakase has its own hours that yeah. are separate from 
you know, basically the, the coffee house at the bottom of your, your, your office building. Uh, oh, I know. I, I went in there uh, last week for breakfast and they, they said it, it, you know, that it, it was really booming and also that the New York Times was coming out to do some kind of story on it. So. Thing about your list, everyone's list, I think. Was there a Logan Square restaurant on any list? No. no, no. Now that's an interesting thing in Chicago. For I don't here. love a new. I don't love a new Logan Square restaurant. I don't think I love a new West Loop. I'm trying to think any rest, yeah. West Loop either. I think things that kind of no one paid attention to, like I mean, Johnny's Grill has gotten sure. some. You know, that Catalpa Grove thing. Is anyone? I've even, been. It was a shaky. It was early. It was rough. But you know, it was early. Yeah, I think they try to do everything all at once, which yeah. is really a yeah. I don't even know. What it's really, it's really a shame. It's uh, but I think they're they're reducing their number. Yeah, you can't you can't can serve French, Mexican, Spanish, Italian all in the same. Yeah. Room. So unless you're lucky, platter and Evanston. Yeah, right. Yeah. Then you could do anything. But I mean, what, anything. in Logan Square, what opened this year that was really... The General got a lot of PR attention, but I don't think anyone cares. That's no. what's in the old Providence I've been the son of a butcher. It's pretty good. Butcher. But I wouldn't... I mean, it's not It's not in the big leagues next to Fat Rice. It's really or inconsistent, but I haven't been, so... Yeah. It was fine when I went. Yeah. So was the, the new Johnny's spot Grill. on... Grill yeah, but that was kind of... You know... I don't. I mean, is that a restaurant or is that a diner? It's a restaurant. I would say it rises to it's the level. Service. But it is. Well, it's both. But yeah. yeah, it's definitely a place that I like to go to. It's just not like Didn't make anything list. destination-ish yet. Um, Although I think they have the potential to be the destination. Johnny's Iron. Yeah. Yeah, they have Johnny's Grill. It's one of those things where if it was perfect, the story would write itself. It's, oh my yeah. goodness, this old place and counter service and it's perfect and it's not quite. There. Well, the decor is kind of a mismatch, which is kind of like weird. It's close, you know. And I granted, again, I went a little bit early, but it was one of those where I went and I ordered, and they gave me the price, and I'm like, did I say that correctly? What I wanted, because I feel like I spent a lot more than what I thought, because I got two sandwiches, fries, and two drinks, and somehow I'm spending like fifty dollars, and I'm not sure what the hell just happened. <laughs> the depressing thing about going early on is seeing these old timers come in there and oh, looking at the lost. menu and just like. You could see like the tears welling up in their eyes. You were literally watching a documentary on gentrification. <laughs> Actually, when I left there, someone asked me if I wanted to talk about architectural racism. And I said, no. And as I'm walking away, I'm like, I don't even know what that is. I almost like, have a PhD and I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's like, come on. <laughs> well, some of the butcher, I was, I was pleasantly... Well, I was pleasantly disappointed. Oh, how did that say? Yeah. <laughs> so I took I took some time going there, and I know the chef came from Mexico, so it was kind of kind of uh, uh, interested in trying the food, but the food was executed very poorly and really. Uh, yeah, but I had to go back. I lived in there once. You know, I think one place in Logan Square that I have been going to more and more is Thank You at Lost Lake, and that when it first opened, it was kind of like, eh. Yeah. They replaced their chef, didn't they? they, they I don't know. Yeah, but they it, replaced the food, their chef the after a couple months. And the food has just gotten way like it's I've heard good things. interesting yeah. and spicier. So and it goes great with those cocktails. Well, listen, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, Anthony, I went to Lost Lake and I I ordered I don't know, egg rolls and they were good. But I'm just thinking if this is my takeout Chinese place, it would co- cost me $120 instead of $40 to yeah. have That's true. It's expensive Chinese food. Ever. Uh, but the potential, I think, for that synergy has always been there. It was a wonderful concept when they came up with it. And so if they can execute, then it's perfect. It's awesome. See, the when they opened, th- the portions were like, so small. It was horrible. See, the weird thing for me, like the best tie I had this year was in New York when I went to Uncle Boone's. And it was the crab fried rice, the riblets and fish sauce. Like, everything they did was mind-blowing. You know, and it's stuff you knew, but it was just so fucking good. You know, the sausage that was fermented, and then they did dessert. And usually you never get really great dessert, and they had a coconut sundae, and I'm a guy who's like, eh, coconut. I couldn't get enough of it. And then they had French toast, like, in sweetened condensed milk, which was ridiculous. Um, so for me, that's why it's been hard to, like, find really good Asian, because that's what ruined it for me. I'm still you know, a couple of my food trips. I'm still waiting for someone to blow up Thai food. Well, you know, there's so much Thai food. Thai food. But none of it's like fancy Thai food. Yeah. yeah this isn't true. fancy. No, this no. is like, this is down home. Like, oh. it looks like a tiki bar inside oh. Oh. with really weird like Thai movie posters that are confusing. <laughs> 
but it's like super approachable and like jeans and a t-shirt. So it's fabulous. It, no, but it's not though. It's literally like the best crab fried rice you've ever had. I think the guys came from per se and they're just killing it. Oh my God. Well, who has the best tie? Well, I mean, I, I've been spoiled ever since Erewhon opened up in Chicago. I don't know if you guys all, you guys remember where Erewhon was, but yeah. it used to be at the, let's see, Superior and Clark in the 90, 2000s, early 2000s. The most phenomenal food I've ever had as far as Thai, Royal Thai food, high rent, but spoiled Thai for all time for me. Oh, no. Everything I compared to that. Yeah. So what are, I'm actually interested as a, as a person who's eating things, like what are other new openings that you guys really like that didn't make your top three? I think um, food trucks have kind of fallen out of the radar. You know, there's not as much media attention on them, but I really like, because now I'm working in the loop, I really like Food Peru. It's a Cajun food truck. Okay. And they're using really high quality ingredients. It's some cooks from Everest. And hmm. it's, not, it's not super authentic, but it's really good. So. What's the name? Food Peru. Okay. Yeah, they're gumbo. I think city is probably as much of a joke as it probably can possibly be. <laughs> I'm looking for good things. Oh, man. Okay. Good I haven't been to Latinicity yeah. yet because I've been waiting for it to get better. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I have to. Shame. What a shame, you know? Um, that being said, I had a great meal in Italy a couple of weeks ago. Anyway. Italy's getting, is you know what? I'm shocked. Italy's actually getting better, better. and better yes. and better. Every the meal I've had there is better than the yeah. last one. Yeah. Which is Maybe amazing given that it's the Walmart of Italian food. And I say that not in a bad way. Every like they're killing. They're killing. They're killing. They, are. they really are. I mean, at first we were like, oh, whatever, are they going to last? Like, they're opening like 20 of them. Like, the places are just, it's massive. I know. It's just, you wish you were like a, a Bastianich at this point. Just I like a I distant cousin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, what else is on your like good but not like not the top? I'll tell you one I thought about for the uh, the under the radar one is Weiler Road. I don't even know what that is. Exactly. It's in Humboldt Park on a side street. I would have never driven by it without knowing to go look for it because it's on it's on like Augusta what email list are you on none of us like <laughs> I was the only one it was in it was in like timeout and things like that okay but, um, the same issue as Catalpa or whatever we missed that issue but anyway it's, it's funny it's kind of a yeah. It's kind of a hipster bar and kind of a sandwich place, but doing really nice stuff. That's too expensive. Um, you know, I live I live high at dinner, but you know, a lot of times just grab a sandwich quickly at lunch. And you know, this is worth actually getting in the car and not just settling for Jimmy John's. So. Yeah. It's a dirty food writer's secret. We always a lot of Jimmy John's. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I would never eat <laughs> Of course not. What's your what's your what's your Jimmy John's equivalent though? Oh come on! Come on! Come on. Taco Bell. You just have time for Chipotle. turkey sandwich. What's the, what's the guilty pleasure? Cracker, cracker Barrel. Are you serious? Yeah. It's I, awesome I that you're serious. I love Cracker Barrel. But what's the Cracker Barrel thing. order? Um, I usually love the grits, biscuit, sauces, spice cake. Oh yeah. The candy section is really great. The candy section is good. Yeah. Divinity. I really like are you, do you like clusters? Do you like hustle people in that game that's the triangle with oh, the yeah. golf tees? And, you know, <laughs> I don't know how to work this. Maybe you could show me. You can make it more fun by putting a little money on it. And yeah, you can play checkers for the fireplace. And it's like road trip restaurants go. Totally. Yeah, yeah you know, at least it's interesting. But when I'm in, I mean, my coworkers will often give me a hard time. Like, I don't eat, like, uh, Dirty John's kind of lunches. I always eat, like, I always bring lunch or eat a fancy lunch, so. My friend Wyatt and I were known at our dot-com job as the incredibly expensive lunch club. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> people would only go out with this once. We'd be like, hey, how about Wall Street Deli? How about Bistro Zinc? <laughs> Steak treats for lunch. Yeah. This woman is right. telling me, like, oh, she's giving me a hard time about how expensive my lunch is. I'm like, hey, I don't have kids. This is what I'm spending my money on. Exactly. This is my college education. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking at my, my longer list and thinking of things that we haven't talked about. I think drinks. What do you got? Well, my big, I mean, the big one we haven't talked about that no one mentioned in the top three, but I think would be my number five. I'm not going to say four, but you'll we'll never know what four was, but number I five. I really like Fermento's. A lot of people hate it. Like this is a, con- Fermento's is a contentious restaurant. There's a lot of people who despise it. I am an insane fan of the relish tray. Like I have a lot of relish trays. Like, so that kind of got me, but I really enjoyed that restaurant. I really enjoyed their sandwich shop. I, go- I alternate Vin and Graziano so I don't make anyone mad. <laughs> yeah. But 
I'm interested to hear what people think about it because I know it's been the, contentious. Don't go to the corned beef factory. Mark Mendes will never speak to you again. I know. Um, the corned beef factory is probably a travesty of nature itself. But I will tell you, Nona's, I love Nona's. Nona's I think is it's great. a great, great They may have opened a better spot. sandwich spot than a yeah. restaurant. And Fermentos, I was just there recently with lunch with a with a colleague, and uh, I said the the food was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Tell you what so was really like really improved. Ten best dishes quality there for me was eggplant parmesan. Yep, I think they do that superbly well. Some simple stuff. I mean, they're not Whether making it crazy things. Whether should be done in 2015. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, full disclosure, I, I invested, and I mean, it's something that they've. I've definitely seen the growth of the restaurant when I'm gone, and. It's great to see the, the shrimp uh, scampi when it's when it's done right is fantastic. Their pastas are good. They're they're easy. They're, the canestri gravy is yeah. nice. Um, you know, I, I I'll go in and get that for lunch and, and some other stuff. So I agree with you. The, the tiramisu and the, the chocolate cake are are solid. I, I I agree. It is very contentious, which I don't quite understand. I don't I mean, either. I've never had a bad dinner there. I've had no. some meals there where I'm like, okay, this is fine. But I've never had a bad. But dinner. it never goes into our top it's just like it's a good place well and that may be the Italian as an investor it's a good place for 20 years I'm a happy man like (laughs) we're good but there's I mean I think it's an interesting restaurant in that it opened as a restaurant that there are others that have been around for 20 years that are just like it yep but it's new. It's, it's shinier on the inside. Much better wine program. Yes. Much better wine much program. Better so wine I think program. it'll be interesting to see, will that push and prevail? I hope so. And it should. it should. But that's sort of the problem. You know, you open a fake diner called Little Girl Diner and you pack them in. And meanwhile, the actual diners around you close for, you know, lack of non-derelict business, I guess. So. But the White Palace is still slamming busy. The White Palace is still there. The White Palace will never die. You know, no. that's that's actually, I think that's like my best restaurant. But it's a, it's a restaurant that, I don't think there's a bigger disparity between the fact that lunch is intensely mediocre and breakfast is divine than the White Palace. Uh, I would have to agree with you. Lunch, lunch is just another goddamn Greek place. Yeah. But it, breakfast... The sky's yeah. open up. Yeah. The, the Buddha has blessed you. Is there any other restaurant that we haven't talked about that we haven't talked about? Uh, What's on your list? Right. STK. You haven't talked enough about STK. Chicago's sexiest, the sexiest restaurant. <laughs> Which, by the way, as soon as, literally, I screenshotted it to make sure I wasn't crazy because that was on their website at one point. It's gone. As is their dress code, which was on the website, is now gone. What was the dress code? I don't even remember. It was sexy. You have to wear a little black dress. Sexy casual. It was things you can't wear. It was very sexy. Oh, is that like Hampton Social? It was kind of like that. It was like very much. Yeah. Let's just anyway. let's just stop for a minute to celebrate the fact. That Hampton Social is open <laughs> and is drawing the exact same crowd as Summer House Santa Monica. <laughs> I actually have you even eaten at Hampton Social? No, I haven't. I eaten actually went. I went and paid, and I remember sitting there I waiting American for American currency, American dollars. I remember waiting there, sitting there, going, "Who the fuck are these people? Like, what is going on?" And then you look at the menu, and you're like, "I, I, I don't even know what this is." I felt that way at SDK when I had that moment where I'm like, "I am not in the right Dorothy. You are not in Kansas yeah. anymore." But, These are not my people. That being said, so the, their advertisers suck. They the, all did. They were terrible. And I feel bad for SDK Chicago, but not really because they're a massive chain. Their steaks are actually pretty great. And I've heard that from all of my steakhouse living friends. So if you want to eat a good steak Just get and the not steak. spend a ridiculous amount of money, go on a weekday at 5 when it hasn't turned into a nightclub yet, don't order any appetizers, get steak and eat all the desserts because they're amazing. And, you know, you're going to be in a mall in Vegas and that's kind of okay sometimes. Other thing that was on my list of bests that would, would not top three, but sort of number seven, would be Green River. Yeah, I really, really liked Green River. I had a disastrous service mess when I oh, first I went. Had the worst service there and ever. The, but the point is that everyone I know is at the worst service there, and everyone I know still says I'll go back because either the drinks are so good or the food is so interesting. You may have found the one who won't. I may have found Melissa yeah. who won't do it, but everyone I, mean, I know has gone back. I thought the food was like. That is really? Yeah, to me, but maybe it's just an order. Location, the location weirds me out. wackadoodle. I yeah. feel like I'm going to be, I feel like I'm going to catch something. And I know that's a horrible thing to but say. But if you but do, you're right, right there. there. Like, like no. you're not far. I know it's the only place you can get whitefish toast and resistant <laughs> staphylococcus. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, the Green River. Always happen. I love Aaron's food. I, just, yeah, I like it ever since from, from Acadia. I think he's just, he's just on top of it. Uh, but the drinks, man, how come you got? I don't, oh my god! There's, 
coming up. It's amazing. The drinks are just over the top. I think that girl just such a spot. She's just amazing. Uh, you know, and uh, the food as far, you know, I've always had great service. I am a vendor, so I have yeah. to disclose that. I'm a vendor. But every time I go there, the food has been just phenomenal. They bring out a few extra things for me to try and taste. It's been amazing. Um, um, I haven't been back in about a month. Looking forward to go back. So what else is on people's number seven? Like somewhere in that Pub like Royale. Pub Royale? I, think it's well, like, I can't yeah. believe no one said that. Which it's I have so not good. been to. I haven't either. It's good, but it's like it's not like you know really like amazing, but it's just like very satisfying food, great beer list. Mm. I would say Doves for me is definitely on that list. I mean, it's that it's not a diner. And granted, I seem to always order the same stuff, but the stuff there is, is solid. I mean, that it's chicken that, fried chicken is ridiculous. It's interesting that the national media seems to have decided that that's one of the best restaurants in Chicago, but none of us had it even in our top. Like, we've gotten an hour, and we just mentioned Doves. Like, well, I, I, don't, I don't mean, for me, I, like, I look at it as, you know, in terms of the three, I think they had more on effect. Yeah. And with Doves, I think it was good. I think they'll keep growing that block. Um, but I definitely think it was it was a great opening for that area and for what it is. And it's it's again that it's that Mexican style food that's not trying to be I should say Tex Mex or whatever the hell it is, but it's not trying to be Rick Bayless Oaxaca fancy. It's it's just simple, straightforward food that you know and love when the flavors are clean. Um, but in terms of what you were kind of seeing, like with Green River, with the mixology, I think that's something that's maybe surprised me. This has been a hell of a bar year. It's been a great year. Like there's been oh my five God. or six places that have opened where you can get a really good cocktail, and they're all different and unique. So it's not cookie cutter. Like there's so many I haven't been able to go to all. Of them. There's not six fried chicken places. It's six mixology spots are doing different things, which is which I think is really kind of cool. Well, and that was one of the things that I thought was really interesting when we went to. Uh, the milk room was that because my wife and I had just been to Green River you know just the use of like the different um, tinctures and bitters and whatever was complex and really interesting then we go to the milk room where it's all built on these you know vintage spirits and um, simplicity you know. done really really well right and yeah. they, what we said it's you know they're, it's, they're not like squirting a bunch of little things into it and to see two pretty different ways of approaching cocktails was pretty interesting to me back to back. You, I mean, you had Lost League, you have the Broken Shaker. What's the place next on uh, next to Green Green Street? Um, oh, the uh, Underground. The, oh my God, I've written about it like twelve times. The Drifter. The Drifter. So I mean, it's it's been interesting Drifter, to see the all Sparrow, of that. which just Sparrow. opened. Queen Mary, which just opened. There's a lot. The one thing that's very interesting. There's a lot of elevated cocktail only spots. Yeah. No food, very small. Like, this is the year of the 20-seat cocktail-only bar. Um, and that's great. I love that. I think that the more of those, the better. See, for me, I struggle because I'm a bourbon and ice guy, so I actually have to get a drink. <laughs> I'm like, I just want bourbon. I'm good. Well, you're yeah. the vegetarian you'll be great at the, at the steak You place. will, in fact, not go through your $50 ticket at the Milk Room. You'll get a great couple of vintage bourbons, and you won't spend that much money. It'll be Maybe. worth it. Do it. Yeah, I haven't been to the Milk Room yet. I can't wait to go. Oh, my God. Yeah. Everyone wants to go. How about restaurants that... Very few people have gone to, but they're like over the top. Have you guys? Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean? Give well, us an like, example. Like tall grass. Have you guys been to Tall Grass? No. no. I no. think by any stretch of the imagination, it could be a high one star, if not a borderline two star. Been around for 25, 30 years, and you know, the owners are probably on their last legs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but Michelin doesn't have a car. The zip car doesn't allow them to get that far. Well, and speaking of places, I think we may have talked about this before, but place the, one of the best meals that I had in 2015, the the place that Michelin forgot is V. You know, yeah. I had this astonishing. I never managed to make my way out there, and I had this just like outstanding blow your mind left in another world kind of headspace meal at V yeah. and well, I didn't, I mean, it was one of those places where I, I'm glad it's been open for a decade and I hope it's open for another two like it was amazing one time I popped into V it was a true, a true story with Paul Paul and his father-in-law investor I was there for a family meal okay like it just happened to show up there that particular time and Al goes we have some family but would you like to taste it and it was like fried chicken but it's on the other side the best fried chicken I've ever had in my entire life. I said, what did you put in there? So I wrote to uh, Paul Verona, I emailed him, I go, please tell me what's in this. A month later, I get this email, and the ingredient list is a page and a half long, and I know that wasn't what it was. It was hilarious. But, but the, it's good to know what? they treat their staff well. Oh, amazing, amazing. But yeah, I think uh, V is just on the rise again. 
I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. See, oddly, my best di- meals didn't come in Chicago. Like, yeah. I was lucky to travel. Like, Spooning Stable in Minneapolis. Oh, my God. Was, I mean, Gavin's doing, Gavin Kaysen's doing food that he did technique-wise at Blue, but the entrees are under 30 bucks, which is just wackadoodle. It's like a shocking to see and then you know I had a great meal at Cosme um, out in New York and then I was lucky to be in Vegas and went to Bizarre Meats was a weird steak place but was really good and as was Carne Vino um, and Jean George those two were I mean it's a steakhouse you know what you're getting but the execution the subtle differences were were stunning which we're not getting in Chicago and granted Vegas is different because the budgets there are stupid big but for me, it was interesting in that, like, some of the really, the food that impacted me the most wasn't in Chicago. I mean, I had great meals, but I was lucky to travel, and, I mean, Spoon and Stable by far was probably the best meal I had I think I think Mike year. and I both had some amazing meals in Milwaukee this year. Yeah, Arden. Arden is... Arden is the best restaurant in the Midwest that's really not in good. Chicago. Yeah. I straight up believe Absolutely, that. Absolutely, 100% agree with and you. And why they don't have a Michelin Arden, star is only because they don't have Michelin right. out there. Yeah. Like, they can take the train... Like, and not only do they, they do would great, blow away half the one stars, and they're not only doing great tasting food, but they're also doing really good ramen on Fridays yes, and Saturdays, like which is crazy. I haven't been there, but I had the ramen go. at your show. And it's, it is worth the trip just for that meal. Go on Friday, had, stay late, and watch the crowd. It's awesome. And I, I had three or four other amazing meals there. I had an amazing meal at Bray's. Which is an amazing farm-to-table, like rooftop restaurant spot in Milwaukee. Like any hmm. Chicagoan who is not going to Milwaukee is wasting their time. Like there's so much good food there. It's, it's two thirds of the price, Never. and has the best cocktail lounge in America in Bryant. Yeah. So go to Milwaukee. Well, I, I, I think the interesting thing is for us in terms of openings. And granted, we can joke that Royster and Rick Bayless's place will eventually open maybe this year. Maybe I think Royster for sure. Um, but I think you've got the Shields opening their restaurant. You've got Noah Sandoval coming back and opening his. There's some. It's gonna be a good year. It's gonna be a good year, and it's all elevated food. It's not steakhouses. It's not casual shared plates. This is. Well, we've exhausted the entire Midwestern supply of prime beef. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> they have to do a bidding. They're like you have to fight your neighbors. in the back door at this point. <laughs> yeah, no more steakhouses, please. Oh my God, make it stop. Produced by Michael Gebert for Fooditor Radio. Music by Kevin McLeod. Fooditor.com.